Longhorn Nation, we're back! And now, it's first and goal with your host, Big Bear and the Curtain Guy! That's right, everybody. We are back. Episode number two. You couldn't get rid of us. This is the Curtain Guy, Cole Shooty. I'm Big Bear, Tyler Bansky. And this is First and Goal. This week, we have uh, quite a bit to discuss yet again. Uh, we're going to be going through conference realignment. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about fall camp. You know we have to get in our That's Fuck segment, but uh, we, we brought on a, a special guest this week. Uh, one of our coworkers at Walk On Red Shirts, Mason Hines, is joining us to, to discuss these topics. I want to hand the mic over to Mason and let him talk about himself, his background, and, and what brought him to Walk On Red Shirts. So, Mason, welcome, and, and tell the people about yourself. Thanks, Cole. Um, so... To everyone listening, howdy. I am a Fighting Texas Aggie class of 2022, AAA, whoop! And um, that's that's my big thing. And part of the reason I joined Walk On Red Shirts was I love the content. I love following it on Twitter. And one day I saw, hey, we're looking for content creators. And I jumped on the wagon. I recently did a piece on realignment. So Cole and Tyler asked me to uh, join the podcast this week. And I'm just really looking forward to getting into that a little more, seeing where that's going to take the college football world. And yeah, just to uh, give my sports background, I love sports. I've written uh, countless pieces for my local high school about the football team, uh, basketball, and I'm, I'm an open book. So if you have any comments about things we say today, let me know. I, uh, I'm not afraid to get into it, but I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you here, Mason. This is going to be a very fun segment for us. What brings us to do this episode is recent news. There's been some talk about teams shifting conferences in college football, and it's going to have a big effect on what we currently know as the Power Five conferences of college football. So to give a background, the Power Five are considered the top five, okay? When you're talking about the college football playoff, the opportunity to really make a bid for the national championship game, that's these power conferences. And, and they consist of the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the SEC. So with current news of teams shifting between those, we, we open up this discussion of is everything going to change? Is little things going to change? And, and that's that's what we're going to discuss today. So going along with this, the major news in college football was that the University of Texas and the University of Oklahoma have made the decision that they are going to leave the Big 12 uh, as late as 2025, but they their plan was to apply to the SEC which they've now been accepted unanimously by the members of the SEC. And now the question becomes, when do they join and where do we go from here? So uh, for me, whenever I look at this issue, and I don't want to sound like one of those ESPN guys that gets up here and can't be your friend off the air. But when I start looking at what this decision does for college football, 
and college athletics as a whole, I personally think two things. A, um, it's not going to last until 2025, whether that's Oklahoma and Texas paying the massive $70 million buyouts or if the Big 12 just disbands in general. Um, That's part of the contracts. If the Big 12 disbands, then there's no buyout to be had because the Big 12 no longer exists. So from a, from a strictly analytical standpoint and a technical standpoint, this was a no-brainer for Texas and Oklahoma, Texas especially. Um, Texas has been in the bottom half of the Big 12 just in general. And I know that they've competed well. I know they've won games in football and basketball, and they've recently gone to the College World Series uh, the last three years in baseball. But in general, they have been losing recruiting battles and not having success in football due to being a part of the Big 12. And that has destroyed them in bowl games where they've been sent to the Texas Bowl and the Alamo Bowl for the last four years, minus their 2018 campaign where they were second in the Big 12, finished nine and four with a win over Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. And so, you know, for them, for them, this is a no-brainer for Texas. Join AM, take away that recruiting oh, foothold that they've had in this state, trying to knock them off the pedestal because the best way to win a recruiting battle is to beat somebody on the field. And it's also going to solve a lot of problems just money-wise. You know, Texas is already number one in total finances from athletics. Uh, they're, the, they're the number one, I think, highest grossing school in general. And so that move, although it seems like, well, they're just going to bully another conference or, man, the Longhorn Network didn't work, so now they're just leaving. But it's so much deeper than that. And originally, whenever I first heard the news, I was like, man, this is going to suck. I hate Texas. But when I took the maroon blinders off, it really shows as a move that's going to impact Texas. It's going to help AM and it's going to help the SEC as a whole. Because if I'm the SEC, I just added two of the biggest brands in the world to my conference. And we're going to get swimming and diving champions. We're going to have more softball champions. We're going to be excellent in football. And so if you're Oklahoma, on the other hand, you are a little, I don't want to say scared. Scared is not the right word, but you have to be a little timid because you haven't been able to hang with the big boys in the playoff. Although Oklahoma has their probably best team maybe ever this season. I don't know if I'm overstepping there, but I think coming back who they have um, Spencer Rattler with a Heisman candidate, maybe one of the best defenses under Lincoln Riley, they're going to get the job done eventually and moving to the SEC is only going to help them. But in the grand scheme of things, as I said in the beginning, you know, that, that caveat, if the big 12 disbands, that's looking more and more likely every day, Kansas athletics are tweeting out tweets every day. Well, we gained 240 pounds of muscle mass this this summer. What the hell, Kansas? We don't care about your muscle mass for the football team. But if your team is gaining traction with better facilities, better coaches, more accomplishments in the weight room, and that looks inviting for conferences. 
because if Kansas wants to go to the Big Ten or the ACC to play basketball, then they've got to bring a football team with it. And so, you know, we heard I hear rumblings of Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech, and like Kansas State going to the Pac-12. And I personally don't see that happening because the Pac-12 is such a tight-knit group that it's really run them into the ground already. So that's a coin flip of whether or not the Big 12 is going to do anything. But my favorite, I don't want to say theory or um, hypothesis or just a general idea is the Big 12 joining up with the American Conference to create, I don't want to say a super conference because let's be honest, it's the Big 12 and the American, but, but a super conference of 16 or so teams that really would have some good squads in it, in football, basketball, baseball, all those things. You know, you would add Houston, you would add UCF, you'd add Navy, who I don't say Navy's good in general, but Navy's always tricky for those FBS teams that play them. And I think it was either Navy or Army that almost beat Michigan in 2019. And so you start looking at all those things and man, We've got a pretty good conference of a few Texas schools, which that's that's something that would be fantastic for me as a football fan, getting to see all these cool in-conference Texas schools just beating each other up all week. But also you add some great markets in Florida for the Big 12 remainders, and you just you keep your options open. So if I was the Big 12, I would add the American teams. And then we would have two super conferences. So where would that leave the other three? The Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC. Let's be real. Clemson has football. That's it. Um, North Carolina is on the rise with Matt Brown coming back. Um, Sam Howell being a Heisman candidate. That's going to be a fantastic team. I think that A&M and the Orange Bowl got very, very lucky. Um, They had some starters out. We had some starters out. And we got very lucky there at the end. Uh, We won the Orange Bowl, great, gigamags, but that team's going to be good. Now on the other side of things, basketball, baseball, you've got North Carolina and Duke that are always good, but because of COVID and recruiting, they kind of faltered last year. Um, You've got, trying to think who else is in the ACC. You have a lot of teams that are just kind of there. And you've got Syracuse, who's always a, a perennial factor in basketball. And, and then on the baseball side of things, the ACC is not as good as it could be. But North Carolina State was a COVID violation away from potentially winning a national championship. Although the SEC homer in me thinks that Mississippi State would have beat them anyway. So, you know, the ACC is a really good conference and is probably not going to get anyone new because there's not really anyone around there to add to it. Um, We also hear reports of Clemson and Florida State allegedly wanting to join the SEC Super Conference. I don't know how much weight those actually hold, but if I was Florida State and Clemson, I would not move at all. Um, Then in the Big Ten, we have Ohio State and everyone else. Michigan is not going to beat them in football this year. They're pretty good at basketball, but they don't really offer anything else. I mean, I know they were in the College World Series final in 2019 but that was a one-off thing and so I I think we're starting to see a pattern here I don't know if you guys agree but we're seeing a pattern in the sports world where this super conference in the SEC 
if the Big 12 were to just add the American, then the other three conferences would be stuck. Um, the Big 10 already has 14 teams. I think the ACC has 14 teams. And so a 30-team super conference wouldn't logistically work, in my opinion. So you'd have to start splitting people up. You'd start drawing battle lines. And the NCAA as a whole is already faltering. Like, we're already, we're already moving past the NCAA. Mark Emmert, he signed an extension recently to stay as the head of the NCAA. And when you start looking at those things, he came out and had that interview, I think, last week or the week before, of how the NCAA is starting to crumble within. Because the SEC doesn't care. They're going to make money regardless with the new name, image, and likeness rules. We've got, you know, students being able to have $5,000 deals just to do a 20-minute interview with a local radio show. And so the NCAA as a governing body has failed its members, and that's what's causing all this realignment with money, with the new NIL stuff, not being able to regulate it. And so to make a long, long ramble short, Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC is going to be maybe the straw that breaks the camel's back and will alter the NCAA and college athletics forever because of what the dominoes will do when they start to fall. And, and uh, you know, you have a, a very unique aspect from it being a Texas A&M fan. And like you said, you jumped from the Big 12 to the SEC. You know what that looks like and you understand why that move was made and you saw how recruiting shifted in favor of the Aggies from there. And looking at Texas, because I focus a lot on recruiting, looking at Texas recruiting, you know, they weren't just getting pillaged by A&M and LSU uh, from, you know, the, the Gulf uh, area, but teams like Ohio state were coming in and taking whoever they wanted and taking the top talent from Texas. And so that's why you saw Texas go from what they were in the mid two thousands to what they are now, which is a, a decent program, still good, still a big brand name, but teetering on that line of becoming what I like to call a museum program like Tennessee or Michigan. So, uh, you know, and, and you're looking at a conference that hasn't won a national championship since Texas did it in 2005. Oklahoma has been in that conversation. They always seem to come up short. I agree with you. I think this is Oklahoma's best team uh, in a very long time. And I have them picked to win it this year, because if they don't, I'm not sure when they'll get that opportunity again. But this move makes sense uh, for a lot of reasons for Texas. Oklahoma was a little, I don't want to say um, confusing or shocking, but I felt like they really had solidified their place in the Big 12 and the way that I've seen it and the way that I'm not really too upset that Ohio State and the Big 10 aren't really looking to add anybody is because why make it harder on yourself in the regular season? You know, I, I'm, I'm not blind. I know the SEC is, is good, you know, uh, I don't want to say top down because you look at Vanderbilt and, you know, teams like that and it's not super impressive, but that is an absolute sledgehammer match almost every week that you line up in the SEC. So if you're Ohio State, you know you have the talent to line up with those teams in the postseason. Why beat yourself up along the way to get there? It, it makes sense to you know join that conference and get in with the big boys because they've won the national championship almost 
11 times the last 20 years. So it makes sense. Why not join them? But um, I think you're right. I think this is the beginning of the end of the NCAA as we know it. Uh, and I'm just interested to see how everybody responds um, to this, this change. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Big 12 and kind of their expansion, perhaps, because more recently, the Big 12 commissioner as well as the Pac-12 commissioner has been talking, and a lot of football fans have sat there and started to ask questions of, well, are they going to merge? Are we going to have this giant 30-team super conference? And one thing I really like about this new Pac-12 commissioner is he's not going to beat around the bush. He's really talking about how the conference needs to grow in terms of football because football is the highest grossing sport in terms of revenue. I mean, it's sad to say when you're looking at sports like basketball, baseball, women's basketball, soccer, and so forth, but football brings in the majority of the money for the conferences. And while I think I wouldn't rule out the chance that we see maybe a merger of the two conferences, but what I would kind of uh, lean towards here is maybe there's going to be a scheduling partnership between the two conferences where instead of the Pac-12 playing non-conference games against Southern Utah, Eastern Washington, North Dakota State, I mean, teams that, yeah, they're going to get you some publicity, but would you rather see USC playing a lesser known name school, or would you rather see USC traveling out and playing Baylor or TCU in Texas, maybe in Dallas, or would you rather see um, scheduling for basketball teams like Oregon playing Kansas uh, teams that are normally in like the top 20 when it comes to basketball. So my personal opinion, I think you're going to see more of a scheduling partnership than a merger and then when I'm when you're talking about the Big 12 and possibly merging with the American, I feel like the Big 12 trying to survive now without Oklahoma and Texas is already going to be a little difficult. But you merge them with the American. Yes, you bring in UCF, Cincinnati, who's a, a more uh, household name after what they showed us last year. But putting those two together, I don't know if it helps. I feel having that many teams really saturates you. Uh, it just, uh, I just don't know. I don't know if that's going to be enough to save them. Yeah, I agree. And I completely forgot about Cincinnati and I don't know how I forgot about Cincinnati. Actually I do. I forgot about Cincinnati because they lost the peach bowl. Did they play in the peach bowl? I think it was a peach bowl. Like, I don't know how they lost that game, but that's a different story. That's, that's another podcast episode. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I just don't know where I would go personally. You know, like if I'm Baylor and TCU, who Baylor has been a player forever, TCU just got the call up in uh, 2012 when Virgin West Virginia and TCU joined the Big 12. You know, that's the other thing. West Virginia is not going to stay. I, I'm sorry that I haven't put my thoughts all the way together on this like I thought I did. But I just thought about it. West Virginia, if the ACC comes calling, is not going to stay in the Big 12. Because you have Virginia Tech, Virginia, and West Virginia. And you, you get to agree. play them every single year. And if I'm West Virginia, 
I don't have to travel to Texas ever again. Well, you know what I mean? I don't have to go to Texas. I don't have to go to Kansas. I don't have to go to Iowa. I get to stay in Virginia and South Carolina, North Carolina, and, and all that. And so you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to leave the state hardly. You get to play teams that matter to you. And so if I'm West Virginia and the ACC comes calling, which again, I don't see how the ACC doesn't ask West Virginia to join. It's right there. We're blowing this thing up anyway. So let's do it. And, and one thing I also didn't talk about that I'm not thinking of is the pod system. I want to hear you, your guys' thoughts on pods. Uh, for me, the pod system seems kind of funky, except that when you start looking at different ways to do it, you know, in the SEC, there will be 16 teams, so four pods of four. And you'll play the other three teams in your pod, and then you'll play, I think, two from the other three pods, and they rotate every year. So unlike the SEC now – you play every team within a two-year span, which is great. That's the way it should be. Um, I just don't know how all those logistics look right now for the SEC and, and all that. But I definitely think, you know, like we've said, like we've discussed, the NCAA will either not be a thing anymore or will have finally given more power to conferences by the time all the dust settles and everyone is with their new conference, I would say probably by 2023. That's, I'm not a betting man, but if I had to bet, I would say um, under 2024. So I would bet 2023, by the end of 2023, we would have the the Super SEC, maybe a um, contract merger to play each other, Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10, um, and I, I will bet, I, I think West Virginia will go to the ACC before it's all said and done. No, and it's, uh, you know, we don't expect you or really anybody else to have their thoughts together on this because this is going to, like NIL, it's going to be uh, ever-changing. It's going to be confusing for a long time, and um, we're going to have to make sense of it even after all that dust settles. Um But we're going to go to break real quick. Uh, When we come back, we're going to talk about where we're headed with conference realignment a little bit more, our thoughts about what we'd like to see, uh, what we think will ultimately happen. And and we'll get into that that pod discussion that Mason uh, talked about. So uh, stick with us and we'll get back to it after the break. Okay, so before we went to break, uh, Mason made a good point about the pods in the SEC of the four teams each. Uh, I wanted to know what we what we thought about it. I'm intrigued by it. Uh, I do have a lot of questions. You primarily see this with the Olympics, which is fitting because we've just you know ended as of uh, today with the Olympics. So you see this with 
the basketball and soccer in the Olympics. And you also see it with the, the world cup when it comes to soccer. Um, one of my major concerns with the pods is how do you keep those protected rivalries and make sure that you're still getting to every team, you know, within a reasonable amount of years, Florida's playing Alabama this year. And I think it's been something ridiculous of Alabama hasn't been to the swamp or it's the other way around in like 10 years. And so uh, if you can avoid that while keeping those protected rivalries, um, as well as maybe incorporating those new ones. I know Texas and Texas A&M haven't played for a couple of years. And I went back just as a personal fan of college football and watched some of those uh, replays and they're, they're pretty exciting. I'm not going to lie. So I am excited to see those hopefully get worked into the scheduling more. Um, But I I think it's going to be very finicky and I don't think you're going to be able to have a lot of wiggle room from year to year. So you're going to see some very consistent um, schedules year in and year out to keep what you need to. Um, So I'm not, I'm not, uh, a huge fan of it, but I'm not, um, I'm not totally against it either. Um, so big bear, what are your thoughts on it? I don't even know what to think of the pods, honestly. Um, I don't know. I, I think I got nothing. Yeah. Um, I agree. I don't know where we draw the line with the pods because, you know, Cole, you talked about the protected rivalries. If, if Texas and Oklahoma are in the SEC, A&M is going to play Texas every year. But what if AM and Texas don't get put in the same pod? Because there is a theoretical chance that you can make a pod of Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, and Missouri, geographically speaking. AM would go with LSU, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. Again, all geographically. So how do you protect that rivalry? In the pod system, you probably can't. And that that creates havoc. Because that's, that's one of the biggest draws to this whole thing. You know, A&M and Texas both being really good because A&M, again, maybe a little maroon bias here. A&M is going to be good for the foreseeable future. Jimbo Fisher has them on the right track in recruiting and, and all that mess. And again, don't want to get into that. But that game is going to be excellent. It's like you talked about with Florida and Alabama. A&M didn't play Georgia until 2019. That was the first time we played them in the SEC. Seven full seasons before we played Georgia. And we won't play them again until like 2024, maybe. It's a ridiculous number. Like they, they've never seen Kyle Field. And AM, that's the first time we've gone to Athens. That's ridiculous. That's, I guess that's where you have to, again, I don't want to say draw the line or figure it out all right now. But that's something to be thought about. Are pods the answer? For all intents and purposes of playing every member school every two years, absolutely. That's the way to do it. Have three in your pod, and then you play two from the other pods every other year, and it's great. You've played everybody in two seasons. But then again, we come back to protected rivals, and would Tennessee and Alabama get to play every year? Maybe not. Maybe they would. I don't know. I'm kind of stuck. I just, I want the SEC to adopt a complete nine game conference schedule because it's ridiculous that they don't. And whether it's pods or East and West still whatever, but that's the other thing, just a small tidbit. If the SEC goes East and West, Alabama and Auburn would go to the East and West and Florida and 
Georgia would never sniff an SEC championship again until I'm, Nick Saban died, I guess. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up, Mason. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave this kind of as an open question here as we kind of go to our our next topic. But when we're talking about either the SEC adopting pods or divisions, and we're discussing who goes into which of those divisions and pods, well, uh, you covered it pretty well. Uh, you're gonna lose a lot of key marquee matchups, and I think it could maybe hurt the SEC if you've got. Their top tier teams, well, they don't really play each other. They're playing what could be considered bottom dwellers of the SEC, the Vanderbilts and uh, maybe Missouri's, Arkansas's, which not, I don't want to say lower tier, but not your front runners year to year. Then you start to question, okay, who's got the easier schedule? Who's got the easier conference? And it doesn't become this all dominant conference anymore. Now the SEC starts to tear each other up and. Then we're down a whole different rabbit hole. but So I'm going to leave that as an open question because as, as we develop these changes further in realignment and maybe the SEC explores uh, changes within itself once Oklahoma and Texas join, that's definitely going to be something we, we dive back into when that time comes. So where do the other conferences go from here is kind of we lead back to this because The Big 12 is going to face some uncertainty without Texas and Oklahoma there. You either talk about merging, you talk about teams just bailing altogether because they have to save their own ass or they become irrelevant. And then you wonder where are the other conferences going to just accept them, offer them spots to join in. To what extent does that happen? Because as we said earlier, some of the other Power 5 conferences are already at 12, 14 teams. How many can you really bring on at that point without saturating your conference too much? And you got schools in the Big 12 like West Virginia, and I, th- I they should be in the ACC. They don't belong in the Big 12. I don't understand why you have TCU, Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas. You had Texas and Oklahoma, and then you have West Virginia. What? They were in the former Big East, and they should have went with Pittsburgh to the ACC. Why they didn't, I don't know. And see, but... that for me, that's the biggest thing for moving West Virginia to the ACC. One, it makes more sense geographically and and from their past. But two, give us the backyard brawl again. Don't don't take that from us. That's one of those classic rivalry games that I loved watching growing up, and it hasn't happened for. Oh God, how many years now? Um, and you know they haven't played since 2011, and I think that's ridiculous. You know that if if you ever did that, you know Ohio State Michigan had to skip one year because of COVID, and I didn't know what to do with myself the weekend after Thanksgiving. So I can't imagine what Pittsburgh and West Virginia fans feel. But that that's one of my biggest things for for moving West Virginia to the ACC. From a from an Aggie who lost the Lone Star Showdown. Um, I was 11 the last time they played, and it has been awful. On Twitter, it's been awful on ESPN when they're like, man, Texas is better than AM. No, they're not, but we can't tell you who's better. Oh, we're both eight and four with a bowl win? Well, hell, that's crazy. And so you're exactly right. Oh, and. We have to play LSU every year on Thanksgiving. 
I, I hate LSU, but I don't hate them as much as I hate Texas. And so, you know, just, just from that, I don't know why West Virginia ever joined the Big 12, unless it was money. It had to be money. I mean, come on. It's West Virginia, right? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, just in terms of the ACC and, and the Big 10, who can they add? You know, are they going to add Notre Dame? Notre Dame already plays an ACC schedule in basketball and baseball, and they play in the ACC, but by God for football, they have to be independent. Like, come on. I understand the history there and Notre Dame wanting to be their own person and, and their own school, but it's ridiculous. Join a conference. Join a conference that you've been playing in for years and if you're good enough to be in that conference, prove it. If you want to compete for a national title, prove it. You know, that's why in 2012, when Alabama beat Notre Dame 42 to 12 or 42 to 14, it didn't matter who Notre Dame faced in the national championship. That team was not national championship material, but they were 12 and 0 on an independent schedule. And so all of that being said, without trying to go on too much of a rant again. Notre Dame needs to join a conference. I'm not sure about BYU because they're kind of off in no man's land. Although I think BYU joining the Mountain West would not be the worst thing in the world. Um, you know, they'd have Boise and San Jose State and former Texas Aggie Nick Starkle. And so, you know, I think BYU joining the Mountain West would be great. It, uh, Notre Dame needs to join the ACC. And then that puts the ACC at 15 teams. But they could also bring in West Virginia, which puts them at 16, which gives them the same as the SEC. And then the Big Ten could theoretically add a Kansas and maybe a Kansas State. Although I know the Big Ten, uh, I think you have to be a research institution to join yeah. the Big Ten, something like that. A so, AAU accredited. AAU accredited. I did not I even don't know, know that. Kansas do not know where Kansas and Kansas State fall on that line. I don't think they're both AAU accredited. But, again, we've talked about it over and over. We can we can just beat the dead horse until the cows come home. That's the Texas coming at me. i got to quit that. Um, <laughs> but if, if we start blowing everything up, you know, we add two to the ACC. That puts them at 16, I think. We add two to the Big Ten. That puts them at 16. The SEC is at 16. The Pac-12, you know, if they add four, they add Baylor, Texas Tech, TCU, and uh, I'm forgetting someone. I don't know. There's Iowa somebody State? else. Iowa State. Iowa State. That's right. Iowa State. I'll take Iowa they State. Add those four, they add those four to the Pac-12. Now we've got four conferences with 16 teams apiece. And we become the Power Four instead of the Power Five. And boom. That's where we're headed. But again, it's it's all logistical nightmare. Two two things here, and so back back. I'm going to backtrack for a minute to Notre Dame. The one thing I love about Notre Dame being independent is that they make their own schedule. And if every team was like that without a conference holding them back in, in one way, set or form, of course you can keep those rivalry games. Okay, you get you get the showdowns and, and the cross state rivalries, but Notre Dame being independent, you get to see them play a lot of big teams where 
year to year they go, uh, they play some teams in the ACC. They're going to go and play Stanford and USC out West. They might face off like a Michigan or, or some teams in the Big Ten as well. I, I like that. I like that they get these big matchups to kind of prove themselves. Now, uh, kind of what you said, Mason, yeah, they how that team went 12-0 and and went to the national championship game and just absolutely shit a brick, I have no idea. But the fact that they had that resume going into it, that, that plays a factor when you're talking about the a playoff or making a bid for a national title because – when you're in conferences like the ACC, the Pac-12, and even the Big Ten at times, you have those teams. I mean, you got Rutgers on your schedule, which, sorry, Rutgers, you're not there yet. Or Pac-12, you have Oregon State. Again, I'm sorry, you're you're not there yet. And, and ACC, so forth. Not having those teams on your schedule allows you to put these bigger matchups on there that you in reality would love to have and would love to have a win against going into the discussion because then you're looking at the guy number five when you're number four and you're saying, hey, they played a team that won three games. Don't you dare put them in front of me when I'm playing some big time teams here. So in terms of independent, yes, I think Notre Dame should go to the ACC because of basketball. They've already got their ties there, and they got to go somewhere. Um, but I think they need to open up things or make more restrictions on non-conference. It, just play some bigger games, damn it. I mean, come on. we got to have some big games. But um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, back to, back to the Pac-12 when we're talking about adding teams. We said the Big Ten, you have to be AAU accredited to join them. I think for the Pac-12, you better be on the damn Pacific Coast if you're going to join. I mean, would I love to have Iowa State and TCU and Baylor? Absolutely. But where the hell are they in return in terms of the Pacific Coast? I mean, you ha- I feel like more of Mexico touches the Pacific Ocean than Texas. But I, I need to look at a map. I need to see that before I make that conclusion no you're you're 100 right on on your geography there you you certainly passed that with flying colors in high school maybe even college Sweet. took some college classes i'll tell you what i have an embarrassing story when i was in sixth grade in social studies we looked at a map and a teacher looked at me and said hey tyler what's this continent she pointed to africa and i called it brazil so <laughs> okay at least i know america <laughs> That's, that's, that's funny as hell. Um, so for me, I, and again, we can, we can go around in circles all day talking about it. Like those are the things that stuck about this conference realignment. Let's be honest. Texas A&M is not Southeastern. Texas A&M is South Central. We are right in the middle. Now we're closer to the SEC than Texas and Oklahoma are, but not by a whole lot. Um, and then just moving moving back into it, you know, what what can the Pac-12 do? We want teams that play on the Pacific Coast, but you know, at this point, all these I think a lot of these conferences, I know if I was the leadership in some of these conferences, would be just talking about you know we're going to get left behind if we don't pick up teams to make us a big conference. 
know, that's why the, the Big Ten is AAU accredited, and that's great. And, and I'm so glad all those schools are part of that, and that's, that's part of their brand. But if you don't pick up somebody else, there's not going to be people playing you. Yes. You know, we talk about, yeah, you know, because AM or the SEC is going to play nine conference games. And just like the SEC does now, we're not going to want to play anybody big. We're going to beat up on one another for nine weeks out of 12. So when I do a non-conference game, I want to play, you know, AM is playing Colorado this year at mile high. That's a, I don't want to say a marquee matchup, but that is a matchup that we're playing somebody different, but we're not going to play Ohio State, Stanford, and Colorado in our non-conference. We're going to play Rice or uh, James Madison Dominion School for the Deaf and Blind that grows uh, tomatoes in the front yard of the school and sells them at the farmer's market keep the lights on those are the kind of schools that we're going to play and so i don't know it's it's a big big mess uh what i have heard and what i am interested in um i'm about to have to hop on another call but i would like to hear about the conference of roses what what is that um i i just i've heard a lot about it but i haven't read into it a whole lot so i'd like to hear more about that from somebody who might know more yeah, definitely, Mason. And uh, I know you said you got to get on another call. So we appreciate you being with us today to talk about this. This is a, a hot topic. We, we could go for hours, but we're doing our best to keep it short. So we thank you for being here. Uh, what we'll do is we'll take one more short break. We'll come back, talk about the Conference of Roses. Um, I know Cole's itching over there, ready to give us his take. But we'll talk about that, and we'll finish off with your favorite segment, ladies and gentlemen. That's fucked. It's coming. Stay tuned. Before we went to break, Mason made a great point when he was talking about the Conference of Roses. This is an idea that's been brought forward in parts of the expansion talks or the realignment talks. And those of you unfamiliar with it, the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all, usually takes place on New Year's Day in Pasadena as part of the big event following the Rose Parade. And back in even the BCS times, before we had a college football playoff, the Rose Bowl has been a game that usually takes place between the top team in the Big Ten and the top team in the Pac-12. And it, it's, I mean, I'm a Pac-12 guy. That's my Christmas, all right? I mean, it's a week after Christmas, but that's Christmas number two for me. So in recent years with the Pac-12 uh, not really being represented in the playoff as much, rightfully so but the Rose Bowl is the game we want it's the game we want to be in and there's been talks of when we realign maybe the Big Ten and the Pac-12 join forces here and form the Conference of Roses so Cole 
I know you love this idea almost more than I do, but kind of give us your your breakdown on this on this conference of roses. Yeah, so I, I came across this on Twitter, and it was an Ohio State beat writer that kind of put it out there as a joke, and I chuckled at it. I liked the tweet. Uh, the The uh, logo was the secondary logo for the Rose Bowl, and they just put the you know they made the font match the the what the Rose Bowl's font is, and just said the Conference of Roses. And I was like, oh, that that would be funny. And then I thought about it, and I was like, no, actually, that would be pretty cool because. If you're the Pac-12 in the Big Ten, and like Mason said, you don't want to get left behind, what do you do to more or less one-up the SEC? Well, you make an even bigger super conference, right? You put together the two conferences that traditionally played in the Rose Bowl into one giant conference, and you don't even have to make it and mesh it in between it. Sure, it would be cool. You can, you know, we would get to see Oregon, Ohio State more often. We'd get to see... USC and Michigan happen like so many Rose Bowls have happened before with that. Um, you know, we get to see, you know, Nebraska and Colorado more often. That would be amazing. But kind of like those big matchups that we're going to see here in 2021, you get to see those every year now. Right, exactly. And so not only that, but then you have this amazing, incredible opportunity to have your conference championship game in the Rose Bowl. And that just to me was like, that's incredible. I don't know how you t- would top that experience as a fan or how you could ask for anything more. Again, the logistics of it are way more complicated than what I just laid out for you because I'm looking at it as how do you determine the champion from each side of the conference, more or less? Do you have, do you have semifinal games within your own conference? You know, do we watch... Ohio State and Northwestern play each other and Oregon and USC play each other and the winners of those matchups go to the the Rose Bowl to play each other for the true conference championship. And okay, so are you cool with adding another game on there? So now you're going to the playoff and if you're expanding the playoffs, you're looking at 16, 17 games and that's where it gets to be a a bit ridiculous. Um, Well, at that point too, um, your non-conference, I wonder if that goes away and you just start playing it, your conference games all year round. But it, it makes it interesting because you've got teams that do really well in conference play versus non-conference play. So you could have an 11-1 USC here and a 9-3 UCLA. Well, USC lost a conference game. UCLA did not. UCLA goes to the conference championship game, whereas USC goes to the playoff. It's not going to be a perfect world, but... It, it's not like it leaves the lower teams behind. I mean, you, you play well in conference, you go to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, I mean, it, you could have so many scenarios where you're you're looking at it and, and saying, well, you know, how the hell are there, you know, six Conference of Roses teams in this playoffs? And you go through and it's just like, well, there's the conference champion. There's the the four teams that were playing in those quote unquote semifinals to the conference championship. And, you know, maybe a few outliers that just, you know, they came up short in one or two conference games. So, um, yeah, I think if, if the Pac-12 and the Big Ten really want to make a huge splash like that and, and, you know, look at the SEC and say, all right, well, we got to do something big here. That would be the route to go. Do I think it happens? 
now I just think the, the, the logistics of it all, the, the money management of it all, the, um, just the, the little things, the, the travel, the rivalry games, I just don't think it works out in the end, but you would quite literally have something we have never seen before a conference that literally spans coast to coast. And I mean, you're talking about teams in California having to travel all the way out to New Jersey to play Rutgers in November. I laugh thinking about it, but it would be just one of those games where you're sitting there just awestruck at what is happening. Frequent flyer miles would be through the roof. Oh man. Fly Delta. <laughs> you better hope some of your players get some NIL deals with uh, some some airplane uh, companies. So Expedia.com. <laughs> so it's, you know, it, it's one of those things that it started off as a joke and I just kind of looked into it a little deeper and would be amazing to watch unfold, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I know the Pac-12 would love that just because of the media contracts alone. They would finally get some games where fans don't have to wait till seven o'clock at night to go. And they're not really thrust to get to the stadium at 9am for 10 or 11am kickoffs when they haven't had their morning ego yet. So I, per, I'd love to have some pack 12 games at 1pm, 4pm. Let's not push it to seven where it's 10 o'clock on the East Coast and you just don't have anyone watching. But I, I think that's such a f- fun possibility to have. And it's interesting to definitely keep an eye out with the SEC doing what they're doing. Does it make sense to make that jump and one-up them, kind of, sort of? Or maybe you become the front runners for how college football is going to shift rather than you know, follow suit after the fact, and then you're scrambling. So that's a great take on that. And speaking of great takes, terrible takes, awkward takes, and just uh, just some shit that should never leave your mouth. We're going to lead into the best segment of this show. As you all recall from episode one, if you haven't, you need to listen to episode one. But... This, ladies and gentlemen, is That's Fucked. Now, to start off, we're going to go to the heart of Florida in Orlando, the campus of UCF, and a news conference that took place between the media and a new defensive player for the Knights that transferred from Auburn, Big Cat Bryant. Those of you familiar with Big Cat Bryant, he played at Auburn under Gus Malzahn before Gus Malzahn was relieved of duties and now took up the head coaching position at UCF. Uh, Big Cat's not the only one to follow Malzahn to UCF, but it's what he said in this interview that really stuck out to me. Uh, Big Cat was asked about how UCF as a football team would fare against opponents such as his former foes, the SEC. And his response is what caught people's attention. He said, for quote, right now, we'd beat a team like Auburn for sure. And he went on to say, we'd beat a team like Auburn and Ole Miss. Now, when you transfer from a program 
they don't look highly on you talking bad about your former program, let alone talking about beating them. And I don't know how it looks when you transfer from a Power 5 conference to a group of five school like UCF, and now you're going to talk badly about the program that gave you your opportunity in the first place. If you ask me, Big Cat Bryant, I think... That's fucked. Now, another article that really caught my attention this week while we were researching conference realignment was one about University of South Florida picking a bad time to be bad at football. And the reason this was relevant was had University of South Florida been winning big games, having big players and big wins in recruiting, they would be a name that would be highly talked about joining a a conference like the ACC or the SEC if they were really that good. But what caught my attention the most was they referenced Tom Herman, the former uh, Ohio State Buckeye coach, went on to be head coach at Houston. Houston is another program that was on pace to potentially grow and leave the American Conference to join a Power Five. Well, the article mentioned how Tom Herman wanted the facilities, floors, and carpets professionally cleaned at least twice a month. Now, some of you might be wondering, why did he want the floors cleaned twice a month? What does that have anything to do with football? Well, that's a great point. But it went. the article went on to state how the University of Houston wanted to be prepared whenever an unexpected visitor showed up, meaning an athletic director or a president from one of the other Power 5 schools, and Houston wanted to impress them by how clean their facilities were. I'm sorry, Houston, if you want to impress one of the Power 5 schools and, and get yourself an opportunity to join them and further your program, you better win on the football field. I don't care how clean your carpet is. I don't care if I can lick ketchup off your linoleum floor. Put the football in the end zone. So Herman and Houston and any other coach that thinks that is relevant to joining a Power 5. That's fucked. For the last part of this segment, we're going to head down to Austin, Texas. We're in the first news conference since officially announcing their move to the SEC. The new Longhorns coach, Steve Sarkeesian, said, when you take the job at the University of Texas, you're everybody's biggest game. And then added, our bullseye just got a little bit bigger because of that move. Now you give me this quote anytime from World War II to 2010, I wouldn't bat an eye. Wouldn't give it a second thought. They had earned that. They had dominated that era and cemented themselves as a blue blood. Well, let's look back at the last decade for the Longhorns and the Big 12 alone. 2-7 and seven against TCU. 3-9 and nine against Oklahoma in the Red River Showdown. 4-7 and seven against Oklahoma State. Mind you, Oklahoma State only has 9 total wins against Texas. 6-5 and five against Baylor. 7-4 and four against Iowa State. And yes, all four of those wins in the past decade are the only four wins that Iowa State has against Texas. Six and five against Kansas State, nine and two against Texas Tech, eight and one against Kansas, but still, he lost to Kansas. Five and four against West Virginia for a total record of 50 and 44 in the Big 12. Maybe he's right. Maybe it is everyone's biggest game and these teams always get up to play Texas. But the way I see it, the Longhorns were the big fish in the small pond, and the rest of the pond caught up to them. 
And now they're headed to an even bigger pond where they could arguably be the fifth or sixth smallest fish in that pond. So because of that, Coach Sark, all I'm saying is that's fucked. Well, that was longer than we anticipated, but uh, as you can see, there is a lot to discuss in college football. <laughs> um, like we keep saying, it's it's ever changing, it's ever evolving. There's always going to be something to discuss, and and we're going to keep on top of it the best that we can, so we can bring you all the latest information and and uh, keep you updated with 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 what's happening in the world of college football uh, so that you can stay on top of it. Uh, we always welcome uh, new listeners. We thank you for sticking with us. If you were here from uh, last episode and now. Um, yeah. Share us ladies but, and gentlemen, share us, go to our Twitter goal underscore first, follow us there. Find us on our website at www.thewalkonredshirts.com for more content from us and our colleagues as we bring you the latest and greatest scoops on college football. But share with your friends. I mean, there. come on, how many college football fans we got out there? I want to see you all. I want you to participate. And don't forget to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We want to hear your critiques. We want to hear what you love and how can we be better to give you the great content you want. Absolutely. Um, and, and again, if you cannot stand the sound of our voices, we hope that you check out the articles that we write. You might be able to stomach that a bit better. Like Mason said, he may, he put out a, an article recently about that conference realignment. If you want a little bit more information on that, I'll be putting out a, another article about the super sophomores going into the 2021 year, uh, talking about the number one recruits um, from the 2019 class. And I'm sure Big Bear will have an article coming out soon again. He is your, your Pac-12 liaison. But again, we, we thank you guys for sticking with us. We welcome all the, the new listeners. You know, we were successful again. I feel like we had to run a few trick plays, but we, we, we scored. We got, we got into the end zone. We hope to see you back next week. But this has been First and Goal.